Well, I made my kid cry with a really bad joke. You know how sometimes you forget you're talking to a kid? So my son was playing soccer, and of course I'm like the quiet dad on the sidelines, not even a little bit. Um, so he's playing the game, and I always talk to him about effort, right? Putting in the effort, and all you got to do is try, and we'll be happy if you try. And that game, he was kind of being lazy, not as running as fast, and of course we were all yelling from the sidelines, uh, and they got their butt kicked. The team just got demolished. Um, but after the game, he came up to me, and he was hanging out with his other teammates and his friends, and the loss didn't really seem to bother him. And he said, Dad, Dad, can I stay and kick around with one of his other teammates? Can I kick the ball? I want to hang out and play. And I looked him dead in the face and I said, you should have played in the game. And I knew the second I said it, his face just went blank and then started to fade into frowns. The lips started quivering and the tears just came out. And I knew as soon as it left my mouth, what a horrible thing to say to a kid. So we went for ice cream. Lots and lots of ice cream. We are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all moms. All at the same time and never in the same order. <laughs> this is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. Welcome to this week's episode of Hi, My Name is Mom. We, uh, the guys, the dads are taking over this week because why, Corey? She was honest. They wanted a week off and wanted to hear our side of things. I'm Ty. I'm Corey's husband. And we're going to be checking in with Kayla's husband, John, in just a minute. But those guys just had a brand new baby, little Loxley. So it's myself. And then I'm here with Adrian, John's husband. Adrian, I have to admit, by the way, I listened to all the podcasts of Hi, My Name is Mom as if it were homework over the last week. Normally, I just kind of like listen or like sometimes I'll help Corey edit some of it. And This time I was listening for like little details. Like I'm picking out things about our wives and about like your house. Man, I know a lot about you. you Uh, uh, Likewise, I did the same thing. Yeah, it's weird because we all are, all of us, not just like the wives or friends, but like we're all part of the same family now at this point with like our kids intermingled and you and I and John are friends. It's a very personal look at people that are very real to us. I went back to like two or three specific episodes that caught my eye. There were a couple of things that made me chuckle. Dude, I want to go your direction, and then I'll uh, if we if you don't like pick some of those episodes that I picked out, yeah. maybe we can go at a couple other directions. And then we should mention right now too that speaking of John, he's not on the podcast yet. We're gonna check in with him toward the end of the podcast because he's a new dad for the first time. He has a baby in the house, and I think he's they're still trying to get their routine in order. It's tough to find your footing with uh, first first kid. Give him a break, and he'll and we'll yeah. just have him at the end answer all the questions that come up for us. Love it. What was that? Yeah, it was like the first episode you went to. One was the biggest fight. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, I feel like Jen and I have these little fights, not, not necessarily like big blowout fights. Like one thing that's interesting is we have a friend that's visiting. She's been staying with us for a few days and she's been sort of just embedded. You know, we sort of let our guard down at this point and, and we're yeah. very comfortable, you know, with, with her. Um, we've been friends with her for years and stuff like that. But she mentioned actually something yesterday as we were having an argument about I forget what it was, but it escalated fairly decently and it lasted maybe five, six minutes. And she was, you know, only a room away and she was privy to this argument. You know, then I sort of retired back to my home office for a couple of minutes to like check some emails and reset. She was doing her thing. And literally 20 minutes later, we were both in the living room, all sitting on different pieces of furniture saying, all right, so what do you want to do for dinner? Like you thinking grilling (laughs) or whatever? And she just started cracking up. She's like, 
I sort of just watch you guys at each other's throats and 20 minutes later, you're, you're done. Like you. Well, it boils down to like communication style and you and Jen do have this, you know, maybe I'm in that circle that you're talking about with your friend. Cause I feel like I see that sometimes too with you guys, there's no filter there and you're not like, it's not for show. You're not trying to like tone it down to like no. a fight that's going to blow up later tonight when you guys get home and get real. You're yeah. honest. Jen's loud. You, I yeah. feel like are trying to be calm, but then sometimes you're like, no, 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 no. Cause you have to. Cause like, Jen's yeah. a strong, like powerful person. <laughs> she, she, is, she, she is. And she, she is prepared for battle when we have arguments. And there are times where I find myself losing my footing in the argument. And I'm like, whoa, I'm like an organizational guy. Like I need to get prepped before I go into it so yeah. that I know what, like if plan A doesn't work, that boom, I've got a plan B. Then I'm going to be like, but what about that time? And what about, you know, I need examples. and <laughs> What about that time is always a good thing to bring up in an argument. I try and have resources and reference points and stuff like that. So the, the off the cuff arguments, I mean, happen, I think more frequently. Yeah. Like you said, that communication thing is a big issue. I've always um, been jealous of the way that you and, and Corey kind of communicate with one another. I feel like you guys have a really good center of communication. And I don't know if like, when we walk out of the door of your house, if you guys are kind of like, bah, 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 or if it's pretty <laughs> no. much like same tone throughout. No, well, that's a funny thing. So like, we're talking about communication style. I think so much of the world is like, grass is always greener on the other side. Thank you for saying that. Cause I try to be fair with my wife. And I heard her in discussing like what we were, you know, in that uh, episode, I heard her talking about how I'm usually not like gonna go to an extreme. I try to give it a second decide how I really feel, and then present the true argument. And I always try to do it from a place of respect. But then there's something liberating that I'm a little jealous of in the way that you might see like you and Jen communicate because boom, it's done. And there's no harbored anything. There's nothing harbored. You know, like if I blew up like that, then we'd have probably literally have to go to counseling because it's just not how we operate. And if I was at that level, it would be so baffling that it would be like, this is a bigger issue. But for you guys, you're like 10 minutes later, just deciding on what you want for dinner. Honestly, that was, that was one of the things that I picked up on that Corey had mentioned about how you sort of handle yourself. And, and, I, and I feel like she mentioned something at one point about how the fact that she'll look at you and be like, Ty, what's wrong? What, what are you doing? And yeah. I wish that I sometimes had the ability to, to be like, I'm feeling weird, like something's off, but I'm processing it. And once, once I figure it out, we'll talk about it. I just, I don't have that um restraint i guess um so <laughs> you're just like everything's wrong right exactly i mean i think to a certain extent grass is always greener yeah i think those styles are just like what works for you that's why somebody's your soulmate and that's why you pick a partner the way that you pick partners because like they communicate the same way or they yeah. make you feel like you can be heard i in that episode the thing that stood out to me is we had this fight about how i didn't just do the old like i'm with you you're so right i hear you instead i was like here's how we should try to fix it and, and she, in that episode, mentioned, like, Ty's a fixer. Like, I, if you come to me and you tell me something, I'm a fixer. I don't, I'm not good yeah. at just sitting and taking it in and being like, that sucks. But I remember her saying specifically in that episode, which had already been recorded when we'd had the fight. So she knew ahead of time. When she came to me with a problem, she knew how I was going to handle it. Right. But do you, you know. feel that obligation? I feel like this obligation, if you bring a problem to me, I want you to know that I listened and not only do I listen, I'm thinking about it for you and I'm trying to find the solution. Like, I feel like that's yeah. my, my job. I want to help the person that I love not yeah. feel the way that they're feeling. 100%. But what Corey really needs is for me to just let her feel that way and then for me to try to 
feel that exact same way. It really just depends, I think, on the magnitude of, of what might be bothering her. As we're talking about this, I go, well, Corey does this all the time to me. But then I realize it's because she's better than me at everything. And so she knows that what I want when I bring a problem is to find the solution. So yeah. she's always like trying to help me find the solution too. And then I try to operate the same way in reverse. But really what I need to do is operate her way in reverse. Yeah. You know what I found interesting about that episode? Jen admitted that she is self-aware of the fact that she fights dirty sometimes. Yes, I love hearing um, her say that. I've always known it and I've always felt it. And I feel like I've always expressed it. Like you're not, that's not, <laughs> we'll get to a certain point in the argument where she'll like bring up some old shit. And I'm like, wait a second, th- that's not fair. We're not talking about that. And that's usually the point where I turn and walk away. I was surprised and sort of happy to hear her admit that she she realizes that she does that and is working on it. So. It's the fun and wild thing about this podcast is like, I'll listen and I think I know Corey really well. I remember at the beginning of our relationship, somebody bring up a story, you know, and we'd only been together like six months and I'd be like, yeah, I know this story from like yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah, I know what middle school she went to. Yeah, I know. Like now I just know all this stuff about her. And then all of a sudden you get kids involved and it's like, I don't have the same amount of time with her that I used to, to just pick her brain on ridiculous stuff. So we, I listen to these podcasts and not only do I get to learn about you guys, which seems obvious because I don't know as much about what happens in your house. I'm literally learning about our house, like my house. Listening to these podcasts, like I'll hear Corey say something or I'll hear Kayla say something. And I'm like, whoa, I've never really seen that side of, of Corey or Kayla before. That, that's kind of interesting. But Are you I talking about it, episode 13? Which sex one? gets unsexy? Man, I Dude, I wrote a note. I was just looking at these notes. They're a guest on that episode. I th- who was their guest? It was actually Jen's I, friend, right? I think it was Sarah Bryce. Oh, it was who, Sarah Bryce, yeah. Who was one of the winners of, of uh, The Bachelor with uh, Charlie O'Connell. So she talks about like random stuff that uh, helps people kind of stay in the mental space to have a good continued sex life after kids. Her, she goes, my husband was asking me like, what's Lilo? I, first of all, I don't know what Lilo is. Do you? Lilo and Stitch, right? Nope. I, it did from the... <laughs> Uh, way it was show. in context, no. no. <laughs> Here, wait, I just went to Lilo.com. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. I'm going to try to hold it up to the camera. Can you see some of the things suggested there on the uh, pages at Lilo.com? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so that's why I haven't gone. <laughs> and then the other thing is Meet Rosie. What's Meet Rosie? It's like an app or something, Meet Rosie. But it came up because Jen was reading softcore romance novels. Right. And then Sarah goes, you got to try Meet Rosie. I don't know what some Meet Rosie app. I, uh, I, I don't download what, it, but I don't want it on my search history. I don't know what Meet Rosie is. Um, Just making but, sure. I thought maybe I was like so like all of a sudden such a straight edge dude that like I didn't know the obvious, but I'm glad you don't know either. No, no. I think as a general topic, they were talking about sexual frequency and, you know, while you're pregnant and, and after having kids and stuff like that. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I, think, I feel like Jen was Did you think honest. the average met what you believe your average? Because I thought Corey was pretty accurate when she said how often we're able to. What, I've, what did she say that you, what did she say your average was? She actually said it was very similar to you. And it was like every two to three weeks at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, sad. It's, I, I think it is sad, but at the same time, you know, with, with as many kids as we have in our households, it really does make it difficult. And it, it's like, everybody needs mom and dad's attention at different times, you know, yeah, and then like you're having that much attention needed, even when you get to the person whose attention you used to seek I'm like, can I just have me time for a sec? If, if that one time is making itself apparent to me and it's like, okay, that is going to happen. 
Like, I don't want it to happen right after I'm done installing <laughs> shelving in the garage. Right. Or, and I've been sweating for eight hours. Like, I want to get cleaned up. I want it to be, you know. So Feel the, good about it. There's no, but it sort of eliminates the spontaneity of it. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, do you get a shower? You get a shower? Yeah, hold on, let me floss. Uh, yeah, hold on, let me, let me just use some scope real quick. You know, like I have to get- <laughs> 10 crunches. I'm going to do 10 crunches yeah, and 10 exactly. push-ups. And, and for what? For three and a half minutes? You know, it's- <laughs> <laughs> I spent more time getting ready for this. But there was something within that conversation. It sort of surprised me to hear Jen say that she had trouble feeling sexy when she was pregnant. Because from my perspective- I thought she was completely sad. Like I, I, I loved her body. I loved the way she looked, you know, that natural glow. And I, I guess I can understand from her perspective, it just, you know, not being able to, you know, especially after quarantine, not being able to bend over and tie your shoes. Yeah. You, know, you were talking about that in your own a, life. recently. A little weight. Um, yeah. and, and maybe you'd be a little self-conscious, but it really sort of, I was surprised, but it almost made me feel a little bit guilty. Like maybe I didn't do, enough to make her feel or help her make her feel sexy. And I'm with you. There's like something about like being a a guy watching a woman be able to create a human baby in their body that of course that's, it's like, it's awe, it's awe a little bit. The reason that they're not the same shape, literal shape that they were before is because of magic. It doesn't take away from how sexy you find that person I just, on a regular I basis. Think there's something, I think there's something so beautiful about it. I mean, do you feel like during Corey's pregnancies, do you ever feel like she had a loss of, of sort of like confidence in her body? Well, yes. I mean, for Corey, you know, Corey. So she's yeah. like pretty confident. She also, she's also like super nutrition oriented. So she right. learns as much as she can. She knows she's doing the best she can. So there's sure. like a confidence that comes with knowledge, I always think. And it was really that early period where she hadn't quite admitted to herself that it was time for maternity clothes yet. That's right. the one time I remember like a little crack in the, in the <laughs> seam. Or, it's like she just right. wouldn't quite switch over to maternity pants. And then the day that she did, and this has happened in all the pregnancies, she's like, oh yeah, this is way better. I feel so good now. Right. Why did I, maternity why did pants, I, that's it. Why did I ride the, the regular jeans out for so long? I mean, I remember that day in COVID when I finally switched to maternity pants. <laughs> Me too. I will say the vasectomy stuff in the episode that we were talking about when sex gets unsexy is interesting because, well, not John, but like there are so many people in our circle. I know you know a few people. I know a few people. And we've been all, all talking about like, hey, at some point, maybe we get like a five for one deal at a doctor, right? Like right, we all right. want it, but none of us are going and doing it. At the beginning of this year, that was my focus. Uh, and then we sort of had all these things unravel between, mm-hmm. you know, tornadoes in Nashville and kids were on spring break. And then we rolled right into this quarantine and pandemic and stuff like that. And now I'm like, I'm not going near a doctor's office. So yeah. now what? Now I'm going to have to ride it out for how long? I sort of wonder if the vasectomy will, will increase that sexual frequency, sort of that we were talking about earlier. Because it I definitely would have helped in our house. Yeah, I heard the girls talking about it. It's like they think that we're lying. I was 100% serious. Like if I could have just had a vasectomy and it's done, that's great. I would have already done that. But it, I'm really bad at getting to the like website where you find the doctor and then doing yeah. all the reviews to make sure it's the right doctor. Right. And then looking at my calendar. I'm just bad at it. Yeah, and, I agree. And so I never did it. I mean, I don't know if that's a guy thing or not. It, uh, traditionally, I'm horrible at like sitting down getting the referral from my PCP or whatever I need to do. Then, like you said, going online, making sure this guy has five stars. If he only has four and a half, 
Why does he only it's not your best sex me guy? Are we talking about one guy lost a testicle? Like why? Why is there only? Why is why is there? Half Especially when we're there? going in this group of five. Now it's like oh, one right. out of five well, uh, goes awry, so, but you'll probably be fine. Well, that's one of us. <laughs> exactly. So who's it going to be? <laughs> who's it going to be? Like Russian roulette yeah. of uh, vasectomies. <laughs> I learned, by the way, also this is another rule in your house that I never knew about, and I think it's a quarantine rule that Jen set up. She said she tells the kids, like, you have to wear whatever you're wearing three times before I'm going to do the laundry on it. What? But that was probably during quarantine when nobody's going outside yet or something like that, right? Possibly, possibly. And that also could have been coming from a place of frustration, which is interesting because, you know, I, I don't know how to segue into this, but it has me thinking sort of about, you know, the last nine years or so when I've been staying at home with the kids and Jen was out working. And, and this is all part of the blog, Jen transitioning sort of out of that executive lifestyle into the mom lifestyle. We sort of flip-flopped and I don't remember having a three-day rule when I was at home with the kids, um, but, but I do recall the laundry being a struggle. Why is it that, and this is cool because you can answer this from the person who's home and a lot of times feels the responsibility, whether it's self-inflicted or not. Corey will not allow me to fold the laundry. I actually love folding laundry. It's something I can do that's productive yeah. while I like watch TV or something. So I feel like I'm not wasting time, but it's yeah. really relaxing for me to do it. And instead, she just gets frustrated with the laundry. So and it might be you, that I don't do it fast enough. I don't well, know. Well, let me ask you, do you have the, fa- the same folding strategy? You know what? I have a better folding strategy. I worked at Abercrombie. <laughs> I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch, Adrian, and I was able to board fold a t-shirt with the best of them. I know I tri-fold. I can do a little thing where I pick it up, make it a perfect square. I haven't said anything yet, um, <laughs> but like all my stuff's folded crazy ways. Wrong. It, yeah, well, just, <laughs> no, it's not necessarily wrong. It's just like, right. she's a different no, way I know what you mean, though. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, this doesn't fit in with any of the schematics of my drawers and my shelves. Like, and I don't say anything about it because... I, you know, you Ooh, true choose, test. Does she listen to her own your podcast? And, and, and God bless her. And thank you so much for, you know, <laughs> yeah. for folding my stuff. But I was like, why is my underwear folded like in, in thirds and then over? And then uh, they're like little pouches. I'm like, Oh yeah. Corey doesn't even like, I roll my underwear. My mom taught me this yeah. like rolling technique to put all yeah. my stuff in my suitcase and pack That's- it. So I have a tiny drawer where yeah. I try to like get all my socks and all my underwear into. So I roll it. I literally, and Corey yeah. just is like, whatever. She just throws it flat. She doesn't, she's like, I'm not rolling it. I think Jen was, was impressed by the fact that I made an attempt to fold her underwear because they're literally like just a piece of thing. <laughs> like a couple of shoe strings. <laughs> like a slingshot. And I'm kind of yeah. like, okay, waist to waist. And then, you fold it like we fold ours. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, how do you do it? Like it does feel like you should do some court. Do you remember that thing when you were a kid where you take a string and you had to, like, I don't know if it's called cats in the cradle or what it was where like yeah. two kids would have it on their hand and then somebody had to come in and do it another way. I yep. feel like it's like a three person cats in the cradle job. Yep. We, well, talking to like stuff that you don't know about each other in the house, do you feel like quarantine has taught you so many things that you didn't see before? I'll tell you, for me, it wasn't necessarily about Corey. It was about Radley. Watching him do schoolwork in our house was the most incredible thing. And I know some parents have the luxury of like seeing their kid do it because you'll, they homeschool, which was an episode on here. But um, for me, I'd never seen his brain in action in that way. I knew he was smart and I knew I was like really proud of like how intelligent he seems like he is as a kiddo. But to see him do homework and then excel at it and like focus and all that stuff, I'd never seen that in person until this quarantine thing. It was awesome. 
I think one of the things that I've realized is that we might need a lock for our pantry door, like the snack, the snack pantry. And I think it's just a matter of boredom. Every time I turn around, my kids have their like refrigerator doors are wide open. Pantry, I hear chip ruffling. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> we have snacks in the garage and we have a stool in the pantry because the kid's, you know, short, but now we're at yeah. the climber. He gets to the top. But man, I, for a long time there, I'm with you. I used to, every time I would walk past the pantry, I would double take and I'm like, there's a kid in there again on a yeah. stool. What is he there looking at? He's not even doing anything. But I do it too, I think. And so now I'm like, well, what does Corey see? She's probably like, every time she walks past, she's probably like, there's a boy, whether it's me, Radley or Bat, in the pantry. Because I do the same thing. I pass it. I'm bored. I got nothing to do in the house. I'm like, I'll just look and see if there's any food that popped up. Yeah, I think, I've, I've, I think I've probably learned more about the kids in the confined space during the quarantine um, than about Jen. We have had an opportunity to sort of both be at home at the same point. Even before we moved to Nashville, we had a period of time in in Virginia where after she had left her job, uh, I was still working from home, which was, which could be a whole different podcast episode, like the changing of the guard. We know each other pretty well at this point. And we managed not not to kill each other over the last couple of weeks. I know that's amazing. I mean, I heard some stat and I don't think it's real. I think it's like one of those things where somebody told me a statistic that they made up, but it was like, you know, there's the divorce rates have gone up by 40% during quarantine. I think think it goes both ways. I think you're probably going to see an accelerated divorce rate, but I think you're also probably going to see a baby boom come out of it. Oh, definitely that. And maybe an engagement rate too. I mean, I do wonder if like the time spent together just teaches you the truth a little faster. You know, it's like, think about the first time you started dating someone and like you slept over for the first time okay, well, I was at that person's house for 24 hours and all right, I think I need to get back to my own space now. Yeah, Corey and I had a trip to New York like a couple months in and we were both like, can we take it for a week? And then actually that was the trip where I was like, I can marry this girl because at one point Corey just got up and she just walked away and went and worked on her computer without like, hey, I'm going to work on my computer for a minute. Like just was on her computer. And I was like, sweet. Right, she had gotten past that, that point of, you know, when you first start dating, you're so delicate with each other's feelings and, 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 oh, could I get you, can I refill your water for you? I mean, by day two, she didn't wear any makeup and I was like, okay, she knows. (laughs) She knows she's in control here. Is there anything else? Cause I do, I think there are a couple of things that came up regarding John and him being brand new. I think he's going to have some interesting experiences. One thing I was going to ask you about before we maybe bring him in is the experiences in the hospital, like hearing Kayla's story after coming back having had the baby. She was saying that when she gave birth to Loxley, the delivery room people were amazing, which I remember too. Like delivery was yeah. amazing. I went through C-sections and I, I don't even remember seeing like the cut. I just remember the baby. That's all I remember that room. Yeah. But once you get into the, I don't know, what what's it called? Your uh, postnatal room? It's like your post-care. That was a different story for us in one hospital in particular. I thought a lady was kidnapping our kid and I was not letting her move yeah. um, until she gave me that kid back. But I think so many people have these like bad experiences or like weird experiences because we've never been in that situation. And we suddenly realize it's the most important responsibility that we have in the entire world. Yeah. I, I remember like there's tons of knocks. It's like you just had a baby. You're so tired. All she wants to do is rest and heal. And instead, it's like every hour somebody comes and knocks on the door and is like, oh, I know it's 1 a.m., but it's we haven't been here since 12. So with me and four kids, I sort of eventually got this dialed in. You know, our first two kids were born at Cedar sinai in Los Angeles, um, which was an experience of its own. In a good way or a weird way? It was different because like a floor above us was celebrities who had rented out suites and 
there it was right cedar sinai is sort of right there in the center of in los beverly angeles hills, right? yeah so so you can walk out and i can go to like because you're uh, right over by the like the beverly center or something right yeah it was right near right near right? the beverly center so all that stuff was in walking distance i mean you could have like like gourmet food delivered they felt a little more high profile. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but then we had moved back east. We had Mason in Maryland, um, outside of DC, during a polar vortex. I remember and that. It was like negative thirty, and I, I'd never felt anything so cold. And to be running back and forth to the car, and it wasn't just like downstairs to the parking garage. I, it was like an exterior parking lot. I'm like, you know, I thought I was going to break in <laughs> half running down yeah. to like get her pillow or a charger or something we forgot. Um, and then most recently, Evelyn, where was she born? Virginia. Evie was, <laughs> to think was yeah, Virginia Beach, right? Yeah, which was, again, a different experience. Um, I think overall, the staff, for the most part, we were really fortunate and, and really got lucky with our doctors and staff. But the experience in New York <laughs> was so different. From California, where you're like the celebrity thing, it must have felt calm, a little bit calmer, because you're like in a very secure area. It's a really nice area. Yeah. I'm in NYU. You're always like on edge in New York, always. Sure. Everything sure. feels like you just got to have your dukes up, ready to go. Yeah. And so there was like a nurse that, you know, they banned the baby. And then if you get on an elevator without having clearance, sure. all of the alarms in the hospital go off. Baby and jack. this nurse took the baby and we were like, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden starts setting off alarms. And I was like, is that a nurse for real? Or is that just, and I still to this day, don't know if it was just somebody that threw on a hospital garb and tried to run out with a baby, but I yeah. stopped her hard. And, uh, and you always feel like that in New York. And then in Tennessee, it was more what you were describing from, to me, even almost LA. Like I just had this peace. I can't imagine NYU. I would, I can, I can totally see having that anxiety. It's just um, in the heart of Manhattan. The whole, the whole process, just having to suit up and like stand outside of the OR and, you know, be prepared. And, and so many people are always telling you what to do. You got to be Johnny on the spot. And, you know, it's intimidating, especially, you know, immediately after birth when the nurses are like, okay, you want the vitamin K, you know, vitamin K or like this or that. And you're like, I don't know, I needed let me talk to my wife and you look over and she's in no condition to like, <laughs> to like say yes or no, you know? So there's so much, so many things to talk about. I'm curious to hear what, what John's take on, on the before and after. Now I can see John. He's on the back Hi. porch. He's got a cold one. Yep. I've got someone spying on me. Oh, that's wifey peeking in on you. Yeah. He's spying. We were just talking about, there's so much anxiety that already goes into being that expectant father at the hospital, getting ready for a delivery, but to have to worry about like safety concerns and all that stuff just adds like another layer of. Well, it's, it's quite a bit different when you, you know, go to have a baby in the middle of a pandemic and uh, everybody's on high alert, but everybody walking around with masks, Kayla actually had to get a COVID test before she went into labor, which she had told me that that was probably one of the most painful parts of the labor process. They, stu they stuck like a, uh, like a swab that's about this big up her nose and like tickle the back of her sinuses. The doctors wore masks. As soon as she was born, she had three or four bracelets. One was kind of a security bracelet that they scanned. Um, so you can't go out unless you actually are approved of the scan. You know, being the first time, it was just all kind of a blur, and I wasn't really paying attention to 
you know, security and all that. It was kind of like, don't break the baby. I mean, it must've felt secure then. Like if you didn't have to worry about security, cause I remember in NYU, I was on like level five. Well, they wouldn't even let us out of the hospital. We had to go through a health scan, a security scan every time you actually wanted to go out to your car. So kind of just leaving to go to your car was a, you know, an adventure in itself. So I wasn't really worried about the security aspect of that. Putting the pandemic aside, you know, it, it's such a life changing moment, you know, and, and you're about to go from John without a kid to John with a kid. Did you feel like you were, you were in the moment at all? Like, you know, I was just mostly focused on Kayla, making sure she was okay. I know I kept getting text messages about, you know, give me update, give me update. And I know a lot of people are getting mad at me because, you know, I wasn't texting 24 seven. I, I don't think that I was expecting, you know, life altering changes at that point. I was kind of just rolling with it. And then it suddenly hit me with like a ton, ton of bricks just all, all at once after like, Oh my gosh, I got this little thing to take care of. Yeah. So when was the first chance you had to see Loxley? Well, I saw her right when she came out. Uh, obviously, it was on the other end, but I saw saw her get pulled out. Um, okay. And the giant cone head that came out with it, and I was scared to death. Oh, my child has a giant head. But, no, I, I remember them taking her, pulling her out. I, I, I didn't get to cut the cord. She was, you know, a chill baby, so they, they were a little afraid of how she came out. Um, but they immediately took her, put her on Kayla's chest for about five seconds. And then like 12 of them took her under yeah, the it's like a NASCAR lamp. pit crew. Yeah. And I never showed Kayla the actual picture of how many people were surrounding Loxley, you know, after they took her from her chest and she looked at it about a month later and kind of freaked out. And I was like, yeah, that's why I didn't show you. I think almost all of our births, there was an adjacent, there was a room adjacent to the actual, like the delivery room, the OR or whatever. And there was a moment where I was torn, you know, because they were taking the baby to like clean he or she off. And then my wife was still there, you know, sort of with a, with a C-section being taken care of and sewn up and stuff. And I was torn as to which way I should go. Did you have to make that decision or, or no? No, our room, they did everything in our room. Same I mean, room. it was it was a natural birth, so uh, they grabbed her from, you know, where the bed was and kind of just took her to the next little section and had her under the lamp and the little bassinet and were working on her there. We never had to experience that, you know, go to an, to an operating room and have the C-section and then yeah. kind of go in both different directions. The only time they wanted to take her was to take her to the nursery and give her a bath and we said no. <laughs> said, no you said no. It. We said no. Out of yeah, the there's room. a saying, or there's like a, whatever, it's like a phrase, right? Like, uh, caught you sleeping. I yeah. heard that, like, you guys like went to take a nap and you woke up and she was gone, right? <laughs> that would have freaked me out. I don't, I don't know if it went that far, but I think we kind of just gave in because we were exhausted of telling oh, okay. them, no, you can't do this. Kayla said, go get my baby. And so I was kind of knocking on windows <laughs> is she and still using that terminology or is she giving you a little bit of like ownership yet no, my baby no, no it's always don't wake up my baby man you guys have wanted to be like parents or so i do remember this so here's the thing about john for anybody that doesn't like know us the dad side of the equation on the podcast thing you're probably the most guy of the group to me and 
I was really surprised when I first met you because you were so good with Rad. I remember you were upstairs. You were just like, all of a sudden you were wrestling. You were like this quiet, reserved guy. And then all of a sudden you were like wrestling with my kid upstairs in our playroom. And I was like, oh, this dude's bound for fatherhood. And you guys have been trying for so long. I mean, do you feel like, yo, it happened? Still kind of in shock about everything that's going on. And I'm kind of just rolling with it. Um, obviously, I'm not as experienced with babies and never grew up with babies. So that's a whole new experience. And Kayla's kind of taking the reins on that. So I'm waiting for the, you know, 18 month, two year. I think that's my, my wheel, my wheel. <laughs> right Good luck, man. Yeah. Adrian, and I keep sending you texts like, Hey man, change your poopy diaper. I got there. I like. got there. I Did got you? there. It took me about two and a half weeks for me to actually change a diaper, but I think uh, things got a little hairy and I just strapped the boots, boots up and uh, went for it. Here's something that I never got to ask you in person that I'm actually really curious about. One probably the, the next most anxiety thing other than Ava being born, you know, and being a dad for the first time was when they released us from the hospital. And I had Ava and Jen in the back, but it was during rush hour that we got released in LA. Mm -hmm. Never since my driver's test when I was 16 did I did I drive with two hands. Always a one-handed <laughs> driver. 10 and 2. I, my, I, I had such a grip on that steering wheel and, and was screaming at people going around me on the left and the right. And I was just so nervous about, like, the precious cargo that I had. <laughs> like, was there any moment like that there? I, I tell you, my biggest anxiety was the car seat and making yeah. sure she fit in the car seat. I mean, she yeah. was – five pounds, three ounces when we brought her home. So making sure the car seat, and I'm, I'm sure your wife told you that I you know, called her up and said, hey, is this car seat supposed to be rattling a little bit? I was so paranoid about getting her in the car seat, making sure it fit correctly. I think I was so tired when I was driving home that I was laser focused on just getting home and driving slowly that I didn't really have the capacity to freak out about it. Rad's first ride home was from my friend Yoda, uh, who was the cab driver that would drive me to work every single morning. Literally, he took us to the hospital and in his taxi cab picked Radley up from NYU. And we put that, I had the same thing that like, how do you get a car seat in? But I'm doing it in a taxi cab. And then we drove through Times Square because I asked him to, and I didn't realize until later that it made Corey nervous breakdown status because she was so freaked out. And meanwhile, I was like selfie in. I'm like pictures of Radley with Times Square out the window. I thought it was the coolest thing. But looking back, that is like everybody has that unique first trip home and it's so, either frightening or exciting. I don't know. So, I never so, even thought about that being in New York and having to get a cab to take your child home. He was a cab okay. driver, but he became my friend. No, he was, he was my cab driver first. He like just randomly picked me up one morning and then I just liked him and then he just kept picking me up. But we got to be family and now he's kind of like, he's just a friend of mine. But I don't know what we would have done if we didn't have to come does, get us. Does Yoda get a holiday card every year? <laughs> he does, man. He, he's come and visit us here. He visited us in DC when we all lived out in that, in the DMV area. That's awesome. Yeah. You got off easy. You didn't have to drive home. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I got to sit right next to Rad on the way home. Um, and I don't remember being afraid with Bash, but that was probably like the, the whole tired thing that John's talking about where I was just like, okay, we all got to get home now. This is the next step. I was surprised at how exhausted, I mean, I was, but we both were just lights out when we got home. Luckily, you know, her sister was there, but we were so just comatose when we came home. I literally went to Kayla and asked her if she had moved my alarm clock when I got home because I was trying to set it. She goes, babe, you haven't had an alarm clock since you lived in California. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know which end was up when I was there. 
we were looking back on a couple of those podcasts that the ladies have done that that really stood out to us. And I think one of them, when sex becomes unsexy, is that the one? Um, yeah. That's but, the one that my mom called me afterward and just says, hey, I'm all caught up on all the podcasts. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I but think that was the one that Kayla didn't participate in. So Jen had mentioned something during that podcast. There are a lot of women that will sometimes say to other women when they're pregnant, you know, oh, don't you, don't you feel sexy? Jen had said, you know, I, I feel gorgeous, sure, but do I feel sexy? No. And there was part of me that was kind of like, did I drop the ball in not – reinforcing that since you guys just went through it you know do you feel like Kayla had any loss of like self-confidence in being pregnant well I'm gonna start off and saying I'm probably the least capable person to convey my emotions and outward feelings and just kind of say how what I'm feeling I don't know it's just never been a great trait of mine but in my mind I was kind of thinking you know she's carrying my baby she's doing she's going through all these changes i have i have so much all um looking at her and and just thinking in my head yes this this is sexy this is motherhood but this is incredibly sexy whether i said that correctly or even said it out <laughs> loud well i probably did drop the ball probably didn't make her feel you know as attractive and and at and her Do you think up. she had that issue though? Like, I, I can't remember if Corey really felt like unsexy. Jen, Jen verbally said it. I think she would have appreciated more compliments and, and more emotional, uplifting words. So it only took me like four times to, to, to get some of that stuff. <laughs> I know. I think I'll do better on the next one. That's the movie. Yeah. How fast is the turnaround there? Do we know? Is it like we want it right away? Hey, we'll take whatever. The weight that we had on the first one, we'll take whatever, whatever's given to us. There was one other thing that we had brought up, Adrian, right? That we yeah. didn't ask John about before he gets back to dadding it up. <clears throat> one of the other podcasts was like the biggest fight. I was sort of tipping my hat a little bit to Ty and just sort of like commending him and Corey on, on the communication that they have with one another. They, they ever fight? Things. They I don't think they ever fight. I legitimately had to say to Ty, I've said it probably more than once, like <clears throat> when, the, when we walk out the front door of your house or like when we leave the restaurant or you leave our house, like what's the ride home like? Is it different? Like are you screaming at each other? Because Jen and I have a, a much different type of thing. Like it's just kind of like no holds barred. I don't know. But, but Jen had mentioned throughout that conversation um, that she has realized that she fights dirty when we have these <laughs> man i loved when she said that it's still when we have these up. when we have these arguments well isn't that what usually happens i mean there's always that one thing that you're kind of aggravated about and then it just snowballs into, into a million things more things and then it's about how you're fighting and it's how it, it just keeps going and then by about an hour later it's like what were we even fighting about i feel like everybody has this different dynamic our fighting has evolved through the years um <laughs> I think it it started out being kind of no holds bars, um, just yell and scream, and but the problem was that we we'd hold on to it and we never just kind of released it. We kind of felt the animosity, and and then it would start when we when we got engaged and got married. It was kind of like we'd fight, but then we'd get so aggravated because we didn't want this that the rest of our lives so we'd fight harder about it trying to change it so that the other person wouldn't be like that for the rest of our marriage yeah um and then we kind of moved on to where 
we just don't want to fight. So we'd kind of hold it in, hold it in, and then it'd explode. But then we'd get over it because we'd talk about, we'd sit down and we'd talk about it. And I think now we're kind of, we just kind of say how we feel, say I'm aggravated, kind of walk away, and then we kind of apologize. So it's it's come down quite a bit from the no holds bars to let's uh, – Let's try to keep it calm, keep it civil, especially now that we have, you know, a baby in the house that it's really eased up our fighting quite a bit. Well, I was going to say, you, you also don't want to scream and yell because if she's sleeping, that's prime time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't wake my baby. Right. Did you have like any questions you were like, hey, I should ask Adrian or Ty about this because this is a good opportunity for them for half to, they have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> What's life after, you know, seven or eight weeks. I'm, I'm kind of running. It's amazing how long. Like, yeah. The first three months I remember with Radley felt like a year and a half. And the first year felt like five years. And then Sebastian came and now I'm like, he's two. It blew by. Cause all of a sudden you get used to this style with kids and everything. But I do think after about 12 weeks or something, or it's like right there where you're at, where the baby starts sleeping, at least in our house, we started to be able to get on a routine and that made us just more cognizant like we could sleep and focus and our life became our life again a little bit yeah i i agree with ty on that one i think the sweet spot is right around around three months where it, it's rhythm structure routine if you guys are working sort of in tandem when you're together you know like if she's nursing you can anticipate that she's gonna need you know like maybe you're gonna burp her or she's gonna need like a like a burp pad. So like we, we got like so synchronized that I could see like when she was getting ready to nurse, I already had my hand in the diaper bag and had a burp, burp cloth and was, had already like tossed it over <laughs> or like put it on her shoulder. Like we just sort of were anticipating what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm getting to that point and Ty, I think he'd be proud of me. I already have a playlist on my Spotify for, uh, for nursery rhymes. So nice. That's, like uh, music. I've got that uh, playing nonstop when I'm walking around with her. I mean, a couple things that people have told me is that, you know, once you get a little comfortable, things change like in an instant. So just, just when you get in the gro- in the groove, it yeah. all changes. Yeah. yeah. Sleep so regression. I'm, yeah. I'm walking on eggshells here, just kind of going day by day, looking forward to that next little smile. So, I mean, I have like so many more things. If they ever ask us to do stuff again, I can't wait to like hear more about it. Cause I think breastfeeding is such an interesting topic and I remember the first time Corey had to do it in public. It was at the Carnegie Deli in New York. And like all these, it felt like all the eyeballs in New York were looking right at her. She's like trying to hide under a cover. And then you got Adrian's wife who will be like on a subway and she'll just take her shirt off and be like, It's like Woodstock. Yeah. I saw a picture today of Ava standing up, Jen's bending over like at the grocery store and she's just eating. Yeah. It was was a tiptoe mouth reach up to a boob. Yeah. So is Kayla, is she cool me, with that stuff? Or is she insecure about it or what? I, I think she's uh, in the cover-up uh, arena. I don't think she's yeah. co- comfortable enough just to whip it out. Um, but let me ask you this. Is it normal for your wife to like randomly just squirt milk at you? <laughs> I heard Kayla tell a story about like she got annoyed with you about something and she started squirt gunning you. Oh, yeah. She did that to her. me. We, we took uh, Loxley in the shower and something I, I – felt something coming at me from the other direction. I looked at her and I go, what are you squirting me? And she just started laughing. So I'm not just random milk squirts to the face. I think it's a distance testing. 
Yeah, Corey didn't test that one out at our house. <laughs> I don't know that Jen's ever done it purposefully. I don't think so. But there have been times where, like, the babies come off and all of a sudden it's like everybody hit the deck. <laughs> <laughs> she does threaten me with uh, changing my creamer out, so have to be nice to her on that one. You guys on whole milk now? This is great. <laughs> this creme brulee tastes really weird. I guess that's, you know, we probably covered everything they wanted out of us. Really, they just wanted a week off, as all moms deserve. Yeah, I think, and, I think, yeah. and I, I think we probably gave them about 17 more ideas, and uh, hopefully they'll bring us back at some point. Uh, so we're supposed to say this part, though. We have to remind everybody, you can follow Corey, Jen, Kayla, at hi, my name is mom on pretty much every platform. If you're on Instagram, it's at hi, my name is mom official. And if you have a mom fashion, or as we heard from my buddy Scotty earlier, a dad fashion, uh, you can hit them up there and let them know that they that you want to be part of the show too. Did I close that right, Adrian? You listen to the podcast a lot more closely than I, I think do so. And if not, they're going to hop in the booth and tag it up nice. All right, go squirt your husband with your breast milk. Have a great <laughs> yeah. afternoon, everybody. And I ju- I just want to say only about seventy. 70- Five percent of what Kayla says about me is true. <laughs> I don't know how to stop this thing, so there's a good chance you'll be able to see you in my house for the next hour and a half. To <laughs> All right, see ya. Your name is Mom.